Celtics Talk Podcast is presented by 24autogroup.com, 11 locations across New England. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another post-game pod coming to you after the Celtics fall to the Utah Jazz, 118-117, a, uh, in a season filled with disappointing, head-shaking losses. This will be uh, not, not at the top of the list, but, but pretty close to it as the Celtics fumble their way, blowing a 19-point lead to fall in Utah. Obvious caveat, second night of a back-to-back and all that, but oh boy, was the finish a hot mess. And uh, we just got done post-game live where I lost my mind seven different times. And so uh, here's what we got coming up. You'll hear a little bit of a player reaction, a little bit of our own reaction. Uh, But that's where we're going to start because uh, I am still hot and bothered by this loss. And uh, the final sequence was just uh, flabbergasting. Let's start before we even get into the fact that the Celtics just completely fell apart at the, the end of this game. Derek White does not play the entire fourth quarter of this game. Joe has admitted in the past that he needs to look for Derek Moore in crunch time minutes. Uh, we wrote a couple of weeks ago about how Derek had not played barely anything in crunch and overtime, despite the Celtics playing a bunch of overtime games this year. Uh, It continues to be a blind spot, and on a night where you were short three starters, including point guard Marcus Smart, Derek White still does not play at all in the fourth quarter. Uh, Understandable, the Celtics wanted some size out there, and that was part of the reason they leaned heavy on Malcolm Brogdon, who was phenomenal and uh, deserved to be out there. Uh, I can't help but think that a player like Derek White would have helped, especially settling the team uh, as things came unraveled at multiple junctures. But then, uh, Celtics were up four. With 69 seconds to play, uh, Grant and Malcolm have a little bit of a miscommunication. That allows Laurie Markin to hit a three. The Jazz go up 117-116. The Celtics come down. Tatum takes this one leg fadeaway uh, that misses. I'm sorry, Celtics were up 117-116 at that point. Celtics were up four. They go, the Markin in three makes it a one-point game. Tatum takes this kind of like ill-advised one-foot uh, fadeaway from the left baseline. Uh, he, he was scoreless in the second half, by the way, and uh, started to sort of force it. The, the, the Jazz double-teamed them all night. Will Hardy clearly was just like, if the Celtics don't have three starters out there, they're going to put a ton of pressure on them, force the supporting cast to beat them, have somebody, you know, making sure they're, they're uptight on Jalen Brown, essentially forcing the Grant Williams of the world to beat them. And for much of the game, they were, except, uh, you know, in the, in the moments that counted, they, the Celtics could not get the right, take advantage of, of that defensive matchup. And so uh, Tatum misses that. The Jazz come back down. And now this time Grant gets switched on to Taylor Horton Tucker, who drives and drives essentially right past him and Luke and finishes putting the Jazz up 118-117 with about 35.3 seconds to go. And this is where, this is where the, like, just, you know, it, it was frustrating to watch already. Mind you, again, the Celtics have up 19 in the first half, blow that lead, go down by seven, sort of scrap their way back into it. Looked like they're going to kind of run away with this thing in the fourth quarter, even though you could tell they were a little tired on the second night of a back-to-back. And here, the Jazz go ahead. Celtics still have a chance to uh, sort of put, put, a, put a good finish on this thing. And what do they do? Uh, out of the timeout, they decide to go two for one. Okay, understandable. That's what you probably should do in that situation. Give yourself multiple chances here to that if, if you missed your first shot, you play for a defensive stand. Even if they score a two-point basket, you're, you're probably looking at a chance to at least tie the game and force overtime. So you're giving yourself kind of two opportunities there. 
But the play is is the typical Jason Tatum standing 50 feet from the basket in the backcourt, gets it with a head of steam. Now, fairly, he was single-covered, and pull-up look isn't isn't the worst shot. Uh, but considering, again, he had not made a basket and was kind of cold, uh, I'm not sure it was the right look in that situation. Would like maybe even to look a little harder or use him as a decoy or do something uh, to take advantage of all the attention he was commanding to that point. So that misses. Celtics play for the stop. Jalen Brown actually forces a Horton Tucker turnover. Celtics get the ball back uh, with one chance to uh, to, to sort of uh, win it. And about five seconds on the clock. Yet again, Tatum is 50 feet from the hoop. The only seemingly set that they run now in late-game situations and Grant takes the inbound. The Jazz do a nice job. They switch the the, the, the the defense on on Grant, sort of force him to turn towards the basket, and no one is moving, including Tatum, who's just standing hips on on, on his uh, hands on hips in, in the backcourt. And so Grant drives into the trees, never had a chance at that point. Uh, gets swallowed up, blocked, game over, Utah Jazz win. Um Again, I don't begrudge Grant. Grant will get some heat. Grant was great in this game. Made a bunch of shots. It felt like it was going to be his redemption night. I actually don't even mind him taking the potential game-winning shot. I just would have preferred it was like him in the corner off of a Tatum kick. But I, I, even if the play had run smoothly, I'm not sure Tatum's getting the ball on a dribble handoff with anything but you know a fadeaway quick hoist three, trying to get this thing uh, you know to for trying to get off a, a potential shot in that situation. I need more creativity in that in that instance. I need Joe Missoula to be uh, drawing up something that has a, at least a couple more options. And here's the, the the other big problem I have with it: for the majority of the past two weeks, Jalen Brown has carried your offense as Tatum has slumped. And sure, Tatum has had his moments, especially in late game situations. But it has been Jalen who has taken the brunt of the scoring on his shoulders. Uh, been the guy who has really carried them in tough moments, and yet. End of this game, none of the plays I described for you involved Jalen Brown. And so he had actually hit the three that put them up four with 69 seconds to go. So uh, when he did get an opportunity, he was the one who gave you a, the best chance to win this game. And so if I'm Jalen Brown, I'm frustrated that you know this is a pattern where it's just not able to get fully involved in the offense in those moments. And if Tatum is drawing all this attention, there has to be opportunities to take advantage of that. They've done it at times when they've run that set with Tatum a million miles from the hoop. Um, and I'm all for a head of steam. It worked against Philly. You know, he was able to pull up and, and, and hit that against uh, McDaniels that night and win it. But really hasn't uh, – the success rate, I, I would say, is probably not as uh, glossy as it seems uh, ever since. I know they did run a de- him as a decoy in one – I can't remember the game now, but it definitely worked where they got a, someone else an easy look because there was there were still people, you know – paying attention to Tatum in the backcourt. Um, my hope is Joe Missoula is pocketing some of these plays and designs for the postseason, but um, just just, just a, like an unforgivable finish to me in, in terms of, of what the, the way everything unfolded. And from personnel decisions, which we continue to talk about, like I think in the last episode we were talking about how like pushing the right button is going to be a huge deal for the playoffs, you have to have the right personnel out there. You have to be leaning on the right guys. And maybe that will actually get easier because you're going to go down to an eight-man rotation and you're not going to have, you know, to, to decide if you're playing Luke or Blake or Muscala. 
you know, that, that probably becomes easier. And, and Grant showed on nights like this that he can be that sort of eighth guy. And so if you're healthy and you got Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, and Grant as your bench, you know, maybe that takes some of the, of, of the guesswork out of it. And yet you will have to sort of search for that spark at times. So um, I, just, I just need this team that's it, the, just blowing the 19-point lead too. So much of it came down to not only getting beat up on the offensive glass, which is somewhat understandable on a night that you don't have Rob or Al, uh, and yet part of it was offensively. They just stopped being willing to work. The ball movement was great for the first, say, 16 minutes of this game, and then I don't know where it went. It, uh, it, it, it left early for Sacramento and the end of this road trip because the Celtics just started taking, like, First look threes, clanging them, slow to get back. Utah crushed them in transition or crushed them on the glass, took advantage inside, and, uh, you know, they're able to to win this game. So I, the natural instinct here is like, whoa, Chris, you're, you're coming down pretty hard on on Joe Missoula. And, you know, on this night, maybe that that's true. I, I You know, I, I will temper it by saying I do think Joe, for much of this season, especially the start of the year when things were rolling, was very good. But you you naturally start to think, was that because the team was just rolling and there wasn't a lot of hard decisions to make? Or, you know, was there something about the way they started the year that Joe was just doing every, just putting them in the best position to thrive? And, like, why has it gotten away? And is it as simple as Jason Tatum is slumping? Is it, is it as simple as there's no Rob Williams out there? But this team really needs to figure it out. And... We're down to ten games left. It's 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 it, like every time I write uh, write down my notes for the the show, and I'm like pod seventy two. Doesn't seem possible. How are we only ten games left the, to 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 figure this thing out? And uh, you know, there's a lot of work to be done to to get there. And again, some of it could be as simple as Tatum stops going through this funk and starts playing more to the MVP level. That it alleviates a whole lot of your troubles. And Rob being back there, maybe that gives you the defensive spark that you've been missing and shores up a whole bunch around the glass. But to just think it's that easy and that it that, you know, those two things are can can persist when they when, you know, Rob hasn't been out there or Jason's been prone to slumps this year. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to feel confident about where the team is right now. And I hate to be like a downer because, you know, People have been saying recently, like you step back and you're like, oh, they, well, they won four or five before this. And, you know, the Houston game, they had a chance. And if they had been a little bit more crisp in that moment, maybe it would have been a, a, a flawless road trip. But nights like this bring you back down to earth a little bit and make you think, um, you know, what is the capabilities of this team? And can they lock it up at a time? Like it's one thing to, to lose your focus um, against – teams like the the Rockets and the Jazz and this time of year, but you need to be laser-focused in the playoffs. You know, you get Eric Spolster on the other sideline in round one. I don't care how poor the the Heat have been this year. Like, Jimmy Butler's going to gonna make that series tough. And, you know, there are other teams that will, that will uh, even if, like, you draw the Hawks. Let's say the Hawks come out of the play-in. You know, Quinn Snyder's been in those situations before. Uh, Joe Mazzulla needs to be ready for, for that challenge that awaits. The Celtics as a whole need to be ready for what's ahead and they've got to be better than they were on this night um i don't feel any better i I thought i might by screaming again for a few minutes um the only positive i will continue to say is uh when they get to sacramento for the final game of this road trip on tuesday night Derek white should be plenty fresh because he didn't play in the fourth quarter on a night you were super shorthanded 
I'm going to go continue to try to wrap my mind around that. And uh, I'll, I'll let other people kind of try to figure out what, what went on with this one and explain what the hell we just watched. Eddie, it, it feels like something we've, we've seen before uh, a number of times with this team so far this year. And for whatever reason, the Jazz making the plays down the stretch and the Celtics unable to match it. Yeah, and then, you know, not, not being able to close out possessions defensively. And at the same time, you know, you don't want to look and say, oh, we were shorthanded because at the end of the day, we had an opportunity to win the game. We controlled some of the controllables that were out there for the Celtics to, to have. And, and this game would be a, a win. And they'll be having a day off tomorrow, feeling good about themselves. Instead, the day off is going to be focusing in on what do they do to prepare for a Sacramento team and a, a team in Sacramento that feels like they belong and they're going to come even harder than Utah did. So it's uh, it's one of those games, another game that, 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 that got uh, let go, that you let go of a game that you were in control of. And uh, again, you know, it's, it's not excusable and nobody's going to make any excuses for them. But at the same time, these are things that you got to look at and say, hey, man, well, what are we trying to do? All right, let's go through the final two minutes of how this thing ended up in Utah's favor because the Celtics were up by four. It was 114 to 110. And they had Oshai Abaji with uh, this three-pointer to make it a one-point game. It was 114 to 113 at that point. Celtics come back down the floor and respond as Grant Williams finds Jalen Brown for the corner three. So the Celtics went back up by four once again. But defensively, you see Laurie Markkinen get an open look here. Maybe some miscommunication. Celtics losing their guy, and it's uh, once again a one-point game. Jason Tatum comes back down the other way with the Celtics up by one. Tries to get to the rim. Little fall-away jumper here is no good. And that gave Utah an opportunity to take the lead. Horton Tucker delivers, gets the layup at the rim. So Utah takes a 118-117 lead at that point. Now, Jason Tatum... Takes the quick shot here, the three from the top of the key. That's off. Celtics elect to play it out. Look to play defense here. And it works out because Horton Tucker loses the ball out of bounds with five seconds to go in the game. So with five seconds to go, Celtics with an opportunity to win it. The inbounds goes to Grant Williams, tries to attack the rim, and uh, comes up empty. And that's how the Utah Jazz win this game, 118 to 117. And once again, Eddie, we, you know, you go through all those highlights and uh, what we saw there was Jalen Brown three, but otherwise Celtics unable to do anything else in the final two minutes offensively. But what about defensively, you know, losing Laurie Markin in there, uh, allowing Horton Tucker to, to get to the basket? Yeah, well, the, the miscommunications defensively. And those are things that are, when I say controllables, you know, those are things you can control, making sure that you're doing the right thing defensively. Miss or make shots or sometimes a bad read, you – might be thinking something defensively, I mean, offensively, excuse me, and it, it kind of throws things off. But defensively, you know exactly what your job is and what you need to do out there. I think uh, right there at the end, we've seen a couple of defensive mistakes that cost us. And then also think some offensive mistakes, you know, where at, at the same time, you, you don't mind Jason Tatum coming down, taking a shot. Now this is nitpicking, you know, coming down, taking that quick shot, you don't get the two for one. Yeah. Would you rather have a two for one? Would you rather get a good basket? You know, and then on the flip side, when uh, Grant Williams finally is having a game, yeah, you can't be mad at him for thinking, you know, because when you look at the, the stat sheet and look at the numbers that he put up tonight, he was one of the better offensive players that we had on the court tonight. 
And so you can't be mad at him for trying to make a play. But at the same time, I just feel like, you know, again, it's one of those games we let go of the rope. And we've heard that time and time again. Too many times. And it, it, it's on the defensive end. All right, let, let's go through that final play one more time because I, I can't imagine that that was the plan there because Grant's trying to take on two bigs, but we'll take multiple looks at it. What did you see on this play, Eddie? Well, yeah, he had an opportunity to get to the bat, but I mean, where, where everybody else is just like standing. So the, the pass to Sam Hauser would have been extremely tough. The angle, if you look right here, Jalen is, is locked up. And then the turnover is showed. That was like only the only action that really could happen was for him to try to get a basket. If you look at how Utah defended that, there was they did collapse and Hauser was open in the in on the, in the corner because that was the only guy that helped off. Malcolm never came into play. He stayed out of bounds the whole time. So it was a pass, a quick action, and it it was the action that I guess that was drew up in the in the uh, in the huddle, and so you got to live with it. And you know, you you live or die with that with that shot. But it doesn't come down to that play. It comes down to all the offensive rebounds and the second chance opportunities and all those things and the missed opportunity. You was up 19 points, so that play didn't dictate a win or loss. It does when somebody looks at that last play, but it built up to to you being in that situation where that's what you had to do. 17 offensive rebounds from Utah, as you uh, mentioned to there. Celtics, though, with the loss, now fall to third place in the Eastern Conference standings. It was just a few weeks ago. They were alone in first. We're talking about the number one seed, but now you got the Philadelphia 76ers slotted in that second place there. So they're technically even, but you know, Celtics uh, a game behind in the loss column. Let's bring in Scal now. And, and Scal, just want to get your thoughts on the final two minutes, what you saw unfold out in Utah. I mean, to me, it's, it was obviously the offensive glass throughout the game. Uh, late in the game, Laurie Markkinen just getting to that right hand, whether it be a dribble handoff or a pin down. And once he, I mean, the guy's seven foot. He's pretty athletic. Once he gets going downhill, it's tough to stop that. They Like, we were running isolation plays, but shout out to the Celtic spacing throughout the game, and it's amazing they shot the ball so well and still lost. There's all those numbers where if you're 20, 22 threes, they've never lost. Um, if they shoot over 40% or 39.5%, then they're also uh, undefeated this season. But if you don't rebound, and Eddie has said this many times, if you don't rebound, you're not winning. That's just we, we, we get enamored by all kinds of other things in this game. We talk about uh, sharing the ball. We talk about kumbaya and s'mores and, and, and chemistry and all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's about, like, the little things. And, and this game, I thought the ball pressure wasn't where it needed to be. It gave Utah confidence. And the rebound was nowhere where it needed to be. And we did a lot of good things. But if you don't do that, you're not winning. That's just how this NBA goes. Yeah, and it, we always talk about win by the three, die by the three. We shot the ball great tonight but what we didn't do was the other things and Scal you were talking about not putting ball pressure on guys and not and making it easy for them they having straight line drives and coming off of screens and picks with no pressure or no resistance yeah those things are going to come back to bite you and then on top of that the effort on the the defensive glass to make sure you close out the possession with the rebound I just feel like there was a lackluster effort on that end at times. At times, we played well and did it great in spurts. 
But collectively for the whole game, I just think that that was pretty much what, what killed us, man. That was our Achilles heel tonight. It had nothing to do with our offense. It had everything to do with our defense. And that's what one thing that I've been looking at lately for myself with this team, analyzing this team and saying, okay, we can shoot with everybody. We can do these other things offensively when it comes down to it. We can have spacing. We can share the ball. But when we got to get a stop, do we have the ball pressure? Do we have the uh, the, the wherewithal to get the uh, rebound and not give up a second possession? And tonight, it, it, it doesn't happen every night like that. But tonight was one of those nights. And you had to expect that from a team who's fighting for their playoff life. Yeah, they're now uh, slotted inside the play-in tournament with this win, the Utah Jazz. Our scout, I don't know if you got a chance to see another angle of it, another look of it, because it's going to be the play that, you know, everyone's talking about at the, at the end of the game. So what did you see on that play? What did you expect to see? So I haven't heard Joe Mazzula talk. I don't know if you guys have played it yet. You know, my guess is that Grant Williams is supposed to get the catch and dribble handoff backwards to Jason Tatum so he can get the ball on the move. I'm... I'm not sure Joe Mazzulla said, all right, here's the play. Grant, you're going to go one-on-one and score over these. That cannot have been the play. So I don't know what he's going to say. Tatum standing there looking bewildered at the top of the key. I'm telling you, like, maybe he just saw marketing on his high side and said, okay, I got to go to the basket. But one way or another, that play, the ball has to find Tatum. I don't, like, there's, unless it's clear cut wide open and two guys run to Tatum, 35 feet, 50 feet from the basket. Tatum's got to get that ball. Yeah, man. <laughs> Come on. I mean, what else is supposed to happen? We all know who's supposed to get everybody in America on planet Earth knows who's supposed to get the ball. And if he doesn't get the ball, then we know who the other guy is supposed to get the ball and get an opportunity to shoot it. And the fact that we didn't get it. Um, but what, what I look at is I look at that play and when Grant got it, he was already kind of coming down to his right hand right and Malcolm Brogdon never stepped in the only person that he could have really did anything with that basketball and and made a play for anybody would have been Sam Hauser and that would have been kind of going against his body and kicking it to his right as he was already going downhill to his left so I just don't like the the draw up of the play period I just think that it was uh, uh right now this is what's going to happen and we have no other uh, uh, is no secondary play. Is no uh, secondary action. It's you're going to get this. You're going to make this play. And if, and I feel like Grant just panicked. He was like, "Well, it's not there. What do I do now?" Okay, I'm gonna just go try to make something happen. And it didn't happen for him. What was the play call on the final possession? Uh, I try to go uphill DHO with Tatum. He went the opposite way. Uh, it was just no. Nah, he just tried to make a play. It was the way the defense did. They did a good job uh, denying it with the inbounder, and then by the time he got it, he had to make a play. The play before that, uh, Jason went for the two for one. In that situation, what's the line, I guess, for like what quality of shot you're looking for? In that? I, you I would want no better shot than Jason Tatum shooting and off the dribble wide open three. I'll take that a hundred times again. So it didn't matter to you, like what you got. You just wanted. I'll take a Jason, Jason Tatum. To get something. No, I just wanted to get a great shot, and Jason Tatum shooting it off the dribble three, uncontested. It's a great shot. I thought we executed as far as two for one situation very well. Yeah. That was a great look. Joe, uh, their sides obviously bothered you 
and Tatum didn't score in the fourth quarter. What could you could you have done anything differently in terms of offensively? Um, and then you they, you guys kind of countered threes with them, and they were able to get back in it. Is there something any regrets here, or is it just their their size kind of took over? Uh, I don't know if there's regrets, but I think anytime one of your best players doesn't score as a coach, you have to do better to try and help him do that. So I could definitely do better there. Um, you know, when, when you lose a close game, it could be anything. You know, there's a lot of possessions throughout the game, and you know that was a playoff game. And so we just have to understand that whether it's the second quarter, third quarter, or fourth quarter, possessions where you're not detailed can come back to hurt you. And so we missed some switches in the fourth quarter. We missed some box outs. We left Markinen open. We left Fontecchio open in the second quarter. And those possessions uh, can add up to you. So it's not, you know, as much as we could, I could have done a better job in the fourth quarter uh, getting those guys shots. And uh, we could do a better job just being detailed throughout the game. Grant, what did you see on that final play there? It seemed like uh, just their, their, their size affected you all night. But what did you see in that final play? Um, play was get designed to get the ball to JT. Normally, the big is the one that's guarding. They don't take the guy off the ball. They took Laurie off the ball. So I got open against Laurie. Um, as soon as I caught it, I was deep in the paints, or not in the paint, I was right in the lane. So I took the dribble, trying to look up and see if anybody was available. JB fell to my left, potentially had Sam to my right um, for a shot. So, and then by then it was probably three seconds left on the clock. JT was in the backcourt, Malcolm was still out of bounds. So it was like, I gotta get a shot up at least. So I tried to make contact with um, with Walker and Chafe and try and get the ball at least on the glass so we can get the officer rebound and tip. He made a good play and got the ball and blocked it. And um, after that, no, no time left. We didn't have any timeout. So it's not like when I caught it, I was like, got to find a way to get a, at least a shot attempt. But there was no avenue in that scenario. Probably could have shot a floater. Probably the best, better shot or even just try to get that ball to Sam. But Santi did a good job of bluffing and getting back out and forcing me on the walker. So, yeah. Your coach said that you kind of felt like you guys at a certain point let go of the rope defensively. Did you feel like there was kind of a point where you guys relaxed and that was why the Jazz were able to start getting a rhythm from the program? Our physicality waned. Um, it was one of those where we had a solid first quarter and the second. Um, they started being, I think playing more aggressive and they got a lot of fouls. And it kind of shifted the momentum of the game. We started playing a little bit more passively. And then throughout, then it was a game from then on. So you have to go back and forth. And they made a lot of good plays. Um, Oshai had a big three. A miscommunication led to a large three. And then we didn't capitalize on the um, last play. So um, definitely physicality could have not waned. I think that's when we got up. We didn't do a good job of maintaining that same effort and physicality on the defensive end, which led to our, and our offense stalled. Um, we were getting all the looks that we wanted. We just stopped making shots. So when you're not able to put those points in the basket, it probably would have looked different if those shots would have fallen a little bit. They're open looks, but um, didn't. So you got to respond. I know we got through some questions recently, um, but what has this roller coaster kind of been like for you? You missed a free throw against Cleveland. You win the game the other night with the offensive rebound. Uh, then tonight, this you make all the threes and. But then you have the final play. Like, what has what this roller coaster been? It's a ride, right? Um, it's part of the season. You can't get too sick. Like I said in the last day, you can't celebrate the highs because there's definitely going to be some lows. And for me, it's just about trying to maintain perspective. It's frustrating 
when you have opportunities to help your team win, you don't do that. Um, that's probably the most frustrating thing as a player when you feel like, especially if you have control over the moment, and um, you have to feel it, you know, embrace it because there's going to be opportunities where you have to have that same opportunity later on. You have to win those opportunities. And like you said, I've had some where I've come out on the bottom and others I've come out on top. So um, try to try and make that on the bottom a little bit less and get a higher percentage on, on top. So um, definitely frustrating. It's definitely one of those that you can't, you, you just got to try and maintain perspective and like you said, you make threes, you think you have to help your team win, but then miscommunication leads to a Larry three. So just as, as happy and excited as you can be not making shots, the defensive lapses and um, moments like that happen, and it's frustrating. So, yeah. Joe and Grant both said their last play was designed uh, to get you the ball and dribble hand off. Is there any frustration on your end that – <laughs> no, I'm not frustrated at Grant. Uh, you know, if he made it, everybody would be happy. Uh, it's not why we lost their last play. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Jason, when it, a night like this, you didn't score in the second half, and they were throwing some defenses at you. They were making sure you didn't get involved as much as you like. How is it pressure to, to try to make a play in the last you know minute? You took that, that step back, kind of a difficult shot. You took the threes. Is there a pressure to say, okay, I, I got to do something here because try to save the team? Inside, you know, the pressure there? Uh, I mean, like you said, it was doubling me, you know, and uh, you know I was making the right play, and we were hitting shots. Uh, I think you know the toughest part is they just shot more than we did. And, we gave up a lot of offensive rebounds, so they got, you know, obviously extra shots. Uh, but, you know, when they was doubling, uh, you know, JB was hitting shots, uh, D. White, Grant, Malcolm. Uh, so, you know, I wasn't – I was just playing the game the right way, right? They was trying to get the ball out of my hands. Um, you know, that last three, we was just trying to get a two-for-one. Uh, so, we were just trying to get one up early. Uh, so, you know, that's, I wasn't – I was trying to make, you know, make the right play if that was for myself. Um, you know, obviously I only took 12 shots, but, uh, you know, I was just trying to find guys, um, you know, draw two and, you know, find the right person. You got two for one. Um, did you like the look that you got, or how did you kind of evaluate that look? Uh, I mean, yeah, it was just kind of a tough situation. I called in the backcourt, 35 on the clock. You know, we wanted to get a shot by 29, uh, you know. Came down and shot a transition three ish. Uh, you know, just kind of wish we had a little more time, but it is what it is. What was your reaction to the final play? Like, did you consider just sprinting in when Grant caught him? Or, I guess he didn't, but what did you kind of see there? Uh, I mean, Grant caught it. He uh, tried to make a play. There was only so much time left. Uh, you know, and when he caught him, I seen he was going to attack the rim. Um, you know, all this shit just happened so fast. Uh, you know, again, I'm not mad at Grant. Jason, uh, in the Houston game and then tonight, the, the, the final play was supposed to be for you, but on nights that you weren't really having it, should uh, Joe, is it, would you be okay if Joe called Jalen's number in some of those situations if he's hot or 
other guys. I know you're the star, and you know he wants the ball in your hands. But is it is it a good thing to, to distribute at times or to play decoy um, when you, when you might not be having it? I mean, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I ain't got no ego or nothing like that. I'm just trying to win. Uh, and you know, Joe can drop a play for me, but there's other options. Uh, and you know, they were kind of denying me the ball, and you know, um, you know, the ball's in Grant's hand, uh, and he just had the option uh, to go, you know, DHO to somebody else, go attack the basket. Uh, you know, we have a, a baseline of what we're trying to do, but you know, it's all about reaction. Uh, so, you know, I don't have an ego or anything. Uh, I wasn't mad that Grant took that shot and didn't pass it to me. It's, it's basketball. Um, you know, I want guys to play with instincts and just read the game. Jason, you guys do clinch a playoff spot tonight. I mean, every season that you've been in the league, you've done that. Is there, um, does that mean anything? And is it just expected now, I guess? Um, not expected. It's hard to win in this league. Uh, you know, so never take anything for granted. Uh, you know, it's not the ultimate goal, but, you know, that's a – Stepping stone along the way that you know you gotta accomplish um, to do what we try and do. So six straight playoff appearance, appearances for me. Uh, you know, never take that for granted.